0: A reading from Isaiah. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will not see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. If we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. Will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he was poured out. He poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many made intercession for the transgressor. The word of the Lord. All living things are hardwired to avoid pain. You can step on the tail of the nicest dog, and it's still liable to snap at you. When you don't realize how hot the pot is, but you accidentally touch it, your hand shoots back into your body so fast your shoulder could dislocate. All living things are hardwired to avoid pain. It's in our instinct. We don't even have to think about it. So when someone or something willingly embraces pain, that's because something has gone terribly wrong. Some people will move to harm themselves. They will choose pain. They will embrace suffering. But it's only and always because there is an extreme inner turmoil that they need to deal with. And this is the only way they can think of how. When someone or something embraces pain, it's only and always because something has gone terribly wrong. Isaiah predicts about Jesus, the Messiah's death. That would be the conclusion that we would draw, that humankind would draw as we watch him suffer. And isn't that kind of in the back of our minds? Whenever you see a picture of Jesus on the cross or a statue or a work of art that shows it in its gory detail, you feel like you're not allowed to say it because it's Jesus, but you can't say it. It's disgusting. It's gross to see What he's gone through, something here has gone terribly wrong that Jesus is on that cross suffering in such gory detail. It's possible even for people who confess Christ crucified Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to still not get it to still not take it home and own what really is going on when Jesus is on that cross, bleeding and dying. It's possible to confess with your lips Christ crucified, but to live as if he wasn't, to live as if your hope and your security come from how good you are, from your progress, from what you have done. And so you say Christ has been crucified, but not for me, because I don't really need it. It's possible to say with your lips, Christ crucified, but to treat it as if this is something he has done especially for you, and not for those people, whoever that is to you. A party, a president, someone who really gets on your nerves, or a very real, a very evil person that you know about, Christ was crucified for me, but for that person, they need something much stronger, you might think. It's even possible that we could confess with our lips Christ crucified, but live as though there is no possible way it could have been for us because we're too bad, because we're too guilty, because there's no way that God could love a sinner such as you or me. But what all of these misunderstandings of Christ on the cross have in common is they all come from a place of deep, personal pain. These are all methods that we might use, might be tempted to use, to deal with the fact that something has gone terribly wrong. And all of these misunderstandings of Christ on the cross simply point to the reason why he did what he Last Sunday in Raven Falls, Utah, there was a group of three hikers who were hiking the snowy slope when all of a sudden an ice column broke from its place and was careening toward them at breakneck speeds. And so the, a woman who was hiking in that group had a choice. She could either step out of the ice column's way and be saved and let her two friends get hit by by its force or she could push them aside and risk herself losing her own life she chose the latter she saved her two friends life and incurred such serious injuries from that ice hitting her that the medics were not able to save her she died by giving her life for her friends she died a hero When I read our lesson from Isaiah, you heard all sorts of different words for the column of God's wrath that was heading right for us. The wrath of God, the punishment for our sins and our transgressions and our iniquities and our shame and our disgrace that we have incurred for our sin. We were there in line. It was coming for us. But Jesus did something that was a lot more profound, a lot more special than what that woman did for her friends. Because as soon as she pushed them out of the way and she was killed by that ice, she was instantly recognizable as a hero. What she did was honorable. Jesus, as he hung on the cross, so many people concluded that this must have been a man of dishonor. This must be a sinner whom God has rejected. That's the only explanation for why this man would be dying in this way. They didn't get what Jesus was actually accomplishing. He was taking our place. Jesus' suffering on the cross, the physical part of it, is only a small detail. Isaiah does not spend that much time describing the physical torture that the Messiah would undergo but what's more profound is what Jesus is going through spiritually as he hangs on the cross. As he hangs on the cross, he is taking our place in the spiritual firing line. He is pushing us aside and he is taking on himself all of God's wrath against every sin that has ever been committed of all time. He is numbering himself with the transgressors. He is taking the place of a sinner And dying a sinner's death, Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God. This is something that only Jesus could do. No one else could take your place. If I tried to die for your sins, I would have my own sins to answer for because I'm a sinful human being just like you are. Jesus, the spotless, perfect, holy Lamb of God chose the death of a sinner because he chose you. He embraced pain and suffering and wrath and punishment because he embraces you with his love. The only reason anyone will willingly undergo pain will choose and embrace pain if something is, is, is if something has gone terribly wrong. And something was terribly wrong. Your relationship with the God who created you. And Jesus could not stand it. So he embraced the pain of your sin to bring you to God. You are completely forgiven. Now there is no doubt that God loves you because he has removed that thing that was causing the rift in your relationship with him. He has removed your sin. Now there is no doubt that you are one of the sinners for whom God has... Christ has atoned for because that death on the cross was you. If you ever doubt that God loves you, ask yourself, am I a sinner? The answer is yes. And if the answer is yes, you are a sinner, then you are someone for whom Christ has died. You are someone whom Jesus loves enough to sacrifice his own life for. That's the love Jesus paid it all, all the debt that you owe. So keep confessing Christ crucified. That is still the mantra of the Christian church. But to avoid all those misunderstandings we talked about before, here's a suggestion. Every time you think or say Christ crucified, add it to the end for me. Every time you see a gross picture of Jesus on a cross, force yourself to think, this was for me. Christ was crucified for you, a sinner such as you, because he loves you. That's the message that we're to take away from Jesus on the cross, that Jesus has paid it all.